Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy, and we're here at episode 70. We just looked it up. That's right, because on our test run, to make sure that the sound's working, because guess what? We still haven't figured out our headphones, because we have no idea what we're doing, and Jason's on vacation. And so we're just we're just winging it, man. We can't do anything without Jason. That's that's the it's true. blunt truth. <laughs> if there's something technical, which is really sad because I'm pretty sure that was part of my job hiring on here, but I just I I just don't understand the deep deep side of technology. It's a sad time. Do we need to go back and read your resume, Zach? I think so. <laughs> I probably forged it all. I, <laughs> it's a joke. I didn't forge it. Um, yeah, we are here today talking about something we've talked about many times before, but never from this perspective. No, 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 no. So I think even our first podcast was on churchy words, if I remember right. Is that real? I think so. You just looked at it, not me. Hold on. Hold on. I got to fact check you because you may be a liar. I could be. I can look it up here too. And episode number one, churchy words, faith, belief, and salvation. Okay. How about that? So from the very start, we begin to talk about churchy words. Reason being is it's important. What we mean by churchy words, and I'm sure we're gonna recap some of this. We kind of got to, I think. Um churchy words are words used by Christians that non-Christians probably just their eyes glaze over when they hear them. They kind of just like kind of retreat and cover your ears. It just, they don't make sense. They're they're words that to people that aren't in the church, they don't make a lot of sense. And to be fair, it's not just Christians that do this. Everybody does it. Everybody has a certain number of words that are meaningful to their small group. Uh, there was a movie back in the 90s called Renaissance Man, Danny DeVito. And uh, he goes into an army base, and he I think he teaches reading in an army base. But when he pulls onto the army base, he says, uh, where's the classroom? And the guy says, well, you go down by the PX, and it's right across from the, from the APO, and you look at, and he keeps churning out these acronyms, Danny DeVito looks at him and says, can I buy a vowel? (laughs) Which is great, but it goes to illustrate every entity, every uh, community has their own Insider insider lingo. For us in the church, we're calling them churchy words. Yeah. So why do we need to talk about it, Zach? Ooh. Um, well, because as much as we maybe don't always act like it, the church is not just about retaining those that are already members of it. Like, I don't think any of us would say that. I don't think any of us would think that, that it's just about never growing and never adding any new numbers. But from the way we talk, from the way we kind of act a lot of the time, or at least large groups of Christians might talk, speak and act, um, we don't necessarily make it easy for newcomers. 
Right. And for people that don't know anything about church. And the problem is so much of our theology – or, or there's, <laughs> there you go. I just did it. So much of our beliefs about Scripture, <laughs> right, what, what Scripture means, um, hinges on the way we explain it. And if we explain it using a bunch of big churchy words to non-Christians, it's never going to make sense to them. Right. It's never going right. to click. Now, we had an example of that. You showed me a um, a clip yesterday of some people interviewing Elon Musk. And at the end of the interview, they said something like, hey, uh, do you want to accept Jesus as your personal savior? And the the conversation that followed was really interesting. And I got the sense that they were kind of talking past each other. Elon Musk was saying what he did believe about Jesus, and they were taking what he was saying about what he believed about Jesus in their own way to mean that, oh, okay, yeah, then you are a believer now. You do accept Jesus as your personal Savior. And I'm not at all sure that that's what was going on there. First of all, I'm entirely convinced that Elon Musk is not a Christian based on that conversation. And two, I am entirely convinced that the Babylon Bee has never actually converted anyone to Christianity or had a conversation about converting anyone to Christianity based on at the way – not in that way. <laughs> exactly, based <laughs> on the way that they asked Elon Musk – to accept Jesus. Yeah. Would you like to do us a quick solid and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I almost threw up in my mouth. I was yeah. just like, what? <laughs> quick solid. Sorry, Babylon B, got to throw you under the bus. You're hilarious, <laughs> but you failed miserably in that regard. That's all. But it goes back to when, when we want a person to become a follower of Jesus, we have a certain vocabulary that we tend to use that does not communicate. Right. Um, I've got a bunch of words pulled up. Okay. And since we're not going to be like, since we're not just going through and explaining, we're not going to try time, to define any. That's of these not what things. this is. We're now, really we, talking we might, about. We might glaze over what's a few behind it. Yeah. Right. But um, phrases like or these are either words or phrases. Um, born again. Yeah. Lost. Salvation slash saved. Repent slash repentance. Faith. Sin, justification, redemption, righteousness, sanctification slash holiness. Uh, here, I'll and the list throw goes in, on and yeah, on. Yeah, God, angels, demons, and we botch those too. And that's the other thing. I'm not convinced that Christians know what a lot of these things mean. And sometimes when we talk to each other, we may have a sense of what we think it means and the other person has a sense of what they think it means. Yeah. And they don't jive, they don't match up, and yet we talk like they do, and sometimes we end up just talking past each other because we're not really effectively communicating. Right, right. And so, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what route you plan on taking this, but like right off the bat, I just kind of want to go the route of, I feel like it's not bad to dumb these words down. Oh, not at all. I don't. All. I, I feel like even for us, even ourselves, for us, exactly. And like I was talking to you earlier, and that's kind of what sp like spurred this idea for this be even being a podcast. But I said, why isn't there a Bible that's like yeah. translated in layman's terms 
that ditches words like sanctification, lost, born again, salvation slash saved, justification, faith, sin. Why don't we just get rid of all those words and why don't we just use more words and and, and maybe really just dumb it down and really yeah, explain yeah, what each yeah. of those things mean? And there is a guy who did that. And I did not uh, know that. Eugene Peterson. Now, Eugene Peterson, uh, back in the 70s, put out a Bible that he called the Living Bible. And the Living Bible, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. Mm -hmm. But it was Peterson trying to take the message of the Bible and communicate it in terms that uh, people in the 1970s would understand. Sure. He later came back, and I believe, I don't think he was the only one, I think there was a team worked on a book called The Message, Mm -hmm. and that was done in the 90s, same idea. But he had to do it again because from the 70s to the 90s, the lingo changes. Lingo changes. And uh, I understand that he's doing it again, but that the, he's but beginning to put out new things even now. That's good, though, because like language is always evolving. It always evolves. So I think it's kind of silly for us to get tripped up on translations and be like, no, this one, no, right. this one. It's like, right. or all of them are trying and they all – no, I'm not going to say all. A lot of them are very beneficial. So even from church history, uh, Jerome. Jerome is one of the first people to translate scripture. He translated it from Greek and Hebrew into Latin. And he called that translation the Vulgate. Right. Do you know what the Vulgate, what the word Vulgate means? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you down because I totally know. Because we've done this. Tell me. Common. That's right. Boom. The common language. It's people so that everybody could understand. So what did we do as a church? We took the Vulgate, and for the next thousand years, we read scripture in the Vulgate, even when Latin ceased to be a language. It at least ceased right. to be a living language. Right. When did, we, the, when did the Roman Catholic Church stop reading in Latin? <clears throat> 1950s? Yeah, in the 50s. It was uh, Vatican I, I think, so, that they said you can read scripture in languages other than ancient Latin. But I love <laughs> you were explaining this part to me, uh, that, that the reason they refused to stop reading it in that way was because it was so holy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. But It, it was too common. holy for the commoners. But it was written for the commoners. That's why it was even in Latin. <laughs> like, that's so right. funny. And I... <laughs> think, I don't remember the exact conversation, but I've had this conversation with other people. Um, in the Reformation, one of the principles of the Reformation, I love this, is the perspicuity of Scripture. Do you remember that word? No. <clears throat> Perspicu- perspicuity means easy to understand. Don't you love it that we use a word like perspicuity to mean easy to understand? But that's exactly what we're talking about. Why say perspicuity when you can say it's easy to understand? Scripture is a book written by fishermen for fishermen. It was intended to be understood, but we plug concepts into it and make it, we express it in ways that's hard to understand. Okay, so here's the deal. I really do think, uh, I think we've talked about this before. I think man's natural inclination is to turn into a Pharisee. I think you're probably right. That, that our natural inclination 
is to, I mean, we kind of do it with countries too. Like we do it with everything, like government. We always like, like I was listening to, sorry if I'm going to offend people here, but I was listening to Joe Rogan because I do think it's beneficial to listen to Joe Rogan. But um, I was listening to him the other day and he's like, every time somebody starts a government, they're like, yeah, we're all going to be, we're going to follow this guy and everybody else is wrong. And now we're right. We got it figured out. And it's like, I think we do this, the same thing with Christianity, which was like you just said, it's, it was written by fishermen for fishermen. And then we take it and we're like, let's turn this into an insider club. You know what I mean? It is. It is. And that's what we do with it. And that's why we got all these denominations where it's like, oh, I've got my beliefs over here. And if you don't believe those, then you're wrong. Well, we, we believe this way. You know, it's got to be baptized in this many gallons of water and just all these little random things and we start nitpicking and putting up our walls and developing our own language and it makes it so hard we it's not a zero entry level right it's not this just like you we can walk make right it in. not zero but it entry should level. be it should be exactly now why do we do that part of it is the phariseeism but also part of it i think is the fact that we're just trying to be super accurate we don't want to get things wrong so we end up creating words like justification that express certain concepts that to us hold meaning, but we're insiders. We're people that it's been explained to at one point. So we can come back to that and talk about justification. That's not necessarily meaningful for somebody outside of the insider club. Right. And before you move on from there, is it fair to say at one point in time using the word justification or using the word sanctification might have been a much more accessible thing to say? Like at the time of the conception of those words as the phrases to symbolize those ideas, could they have were, – were they more accessible to people at that time and now over time have become less accessible because we don't talk that way anymore. I think you're you're getting a hold of something there. But the problem is we worship the idea of it. We're doing the exact same thing the Roman right, Catholic right, Church right, did with right. the Vulgate. We're like, well, no, that, that's the word. And it's like, no, there's a million ways to explain that idea. Right, right. We just latch on to that word and say, no, that's how we have to talk about it. So we've, we've talked about Dennis Kinlaw before. Um Dennis Kinlaw is a holiness preacher and theologian. And near the end of his life, uh, he gave the last 10 years or so of his life to writing a theology. He died before he could do it. But he wanted to write a theology about sanctification without using the word sanctification. And what he came up with are very simple little books, easily accessible, that have incredibly profound meaning. Uh, the one that stands out is Let's Start With Jesus. It's a good book. It's, it's a wonderful book, and it's about sanctification, and he never uses the word. It's about following Jesus, if like you can that. obey Jesus, if you can love Jesus. If you can do what Jesus did, then that's sanctification. Hmm. Yeah. And it's understandable. That's the thing. But, okay, so from from what you just said there, um, if we take that idea and run with it and say the whole goal for us as Christians is to make other people Christians, right? Right. It's to, it's to go spread the gospel. It's to be disciples that make disciples. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. 
if that's the case, in order for me to properly explain a word like justification in a way that a non-believer will understand it, then I have to actually know what that word means. <laughs> yeah. I have to know what sanctification means. I have to know what grace and glory and all these big churchy words mean. Or at least understand the concepts behind them that those words were once used to convey. I think that's, I feel like that's the same. Is it different? We might not understand the word justification, but we can understand the concept that God gave Christ to make us pure even when we weren't. Right, right. But I'm saying I first have to know how to articulate that. Exactly. Before I can go explain it to somebody that has no idea what that word That doesn't necessarily mean that we have to understand what the word justification means as long as we understand the concept behind it. Sure. So that if somebody says, oh, you're talking about justification, we could legitimately say, Maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure what that word means. But God gave Jesus to us. And we can explain the concept without necessarily understanding the $5 word, the big long word that describes it. Okay. I guess what I'm saying is that I – sorry, I'm trying not to we're go kinda, off track. We're kind of saying, like we're the, saying same the same thing. thing. I guess yeah. I'm saying like if you can articulate what the meaning behind the word is, then yeah. I feel like that is the meaning of the word. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just don't have to use the big word. Right. 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 I think that's more kind of what we're getting at. That's absolutely what we're okay. getting at. It's, it's, uh, we've, we're not talking about dummying down the concept of salvation. No, it, you just might have to use a full sentence to explain what you might have summed up in the word justification. <clears throat> right. We, we, we're definitely talking about understanding your audience. And speaking in a way that would be meaningful to your audience. Not necessarily copying their lingo because they have insider language too. So so real quick, maybe to demonstrate what we're talking about. What if I name you a, a phrase or, or a word <clears throat> that it would fit into the churchy word category? Okay. And you just off the top of your head explain that in layman's terms. Okay, uh, you name the word and let's try to do that together because I might get stuck. <laughs> Repentance. Okay, great, yeah. That's a good word. Um, I believe that repentance uh, means changing from one pattern of thought to a different pattern of thought. In the old pattern of thought, I thought this particular course of action was a good action, but I've come to realize that it's not. And so repentance in that case means me understanding that there is a different way of doing things. And I need to incorporate that different way of doing things. The bottom line of repentance is change. Right. I've got to change. I've got to do something differently. Turning away from your old ways into a new way. Turning away into a new way. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ooh, faith. Yeah. So faith. You know, thinking about this just before we got on, um, I thought that there are kind of three categories of churchy words. One category are words that people outside the church just do not get. Sanctification. 
justification. You know, those are words that they don't use. They don't understand what they mean. There are other words that maybe they do understand. Hope, although we might have nuances of meaning in hope. Faith is a word that I think um, the world has one definition and Scripture has a different definition. Yeah. So it's one that when we use it, if we're not careful to explain what we mean, People won't catch it. They'll run with their concept. I think the world believes that faith is believing what you know can't be true. It's it's bl- like they look at it as like blindly believing. Blind something. faith, yeah. 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 Taking, uh, 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 standing at the edge of all of the light that you have and taking a step in the darkness. And I don't think that's what Scripture says faith is at all. Faith is looking back at what God has done in your life and in others' lives, believing that God continues to care and can continue to do things for you, and then depositing your faith, aligning yourself with God, saying what you have done before you can do again in me. Yeah. And so so part of that may be standing at the edge of darkness and taking that next step, or, or t- at the edge of light and taking that next step into darkness, but it's not baseless. Exactly. Right? It's exactly. not just like, well, I just think that, so <clears throat> I, I'm going to go, I'm just going to do this. It's like, no, it's like, it's based on evidence. Yeah. It's based on fact. It's based on knowing who God is and what he's done. Right. But like you said, in, in the secular world, it's it's more baseless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's it's almost contradictory, I believe, in the secular world. Yes. If I have faith, it means I know something is true, but I choose to believe something different. <laughs> in a similar way, um, I think hope is different secularly versus what we talk about. Yeah. Because like when we talk about like we have hope that God will do something, it's that we know he will do it. It's not like I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Right. <laughs> right. It's not like a like I, I, like I don't know how to even articulate this, which is why this is important to talk about. It, it's not like this I want it not to rain and I have no right. reason to think that it won't. Or that it will. I, I just, I would rather it didn't. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, hope is like, there's I an, have faith. It's kind of like faith. Hope is kind of like is, faith. It is, it is. There's, there's an old hymn that really kind of summarizes it. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's not a blind hope. It's not a, gosh, I, I, I wish I were saved. It's rather... I understand this, I believe this, I have faith in this, that gives me hope. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, since we're here, can we just knock out sanctification and justification real quick? Yeah, boy, sanctification is kind of a tough one. Now, that is a word that one day may have had a meaning. Um, it may have been much more common. 
to talk to talk about the sanctity of something, and people would understand that. Sounds um, like a Middle Ages kind of word. It does. It does. Early English. Um, sanctification is definitely related to the word holiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they share. I think. A, in, in fact, I think the the Latin word for holy is sanctus. So. Mm-hmm. Sanctity, sanctification, all of that comes from the word for holiness. It kind of means holification. Holiness is like a state of being, and right. sanctification is a process. The process to get you to that state exactly. of being. Um, so what sanctification is, uh, in terms that everybody could understand... Help me out. You want to take a crack at it? Take a crack at it, yeah. It's the process of being made more and more set apart from the rest of the world to be more and more like Jesus, to be more and more like God. You've got three elements there. I think all three are accurate. Sanctification means being set apart. Yes. Um, The holy things in the temple were not holy because of how they were made, they weren't necessarily even holy uh, because they were um, uh, blessed by a particular process. They were holy because they were set apart. They were used exclusively for something in the temple, and that's all. Yes. They were set apart. Second, uh, you talk about a process. With us, our holiness is very definitely a process. It's not a yesterday I was profane. Now today I am totally and completely holy, uh, can't sin, won't sin, and everything now is just great. It is a process of learning. And thirdly, it's about being like Jesus. Right. As it applies to us, it is imitating him more and more. Putting on the characteristics of God. Yeah. Yeah. Shedding off the world, shedding off worldly pleasure, sinful pleasure, sinful living, and taking on the characteristics of God. And I shouldn't say it that way. Taking on the 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 traits of God's yeah. personality yeah. and character and, yeah. and his will. Yeah. Yeah. So you used another word that I think is probably another churchy word. Did I? The word sin. Ah. Yeah. It's like you can't have one without it's more. It's hard right? not to. We're and so yet, entrenched in it. I don't think that those around us who are not a part of a church have a sense of sin. Oh, no. I mean, it gets used a lot outside of the church. Sure it does. But I don't think people really, really understand, understand what it. means. Um, I mean, it, it, in all like literal translation, it means to miss the mark. Yeah, it means to to mess up, to screw up. It's it's actually the idea of of like throwing something at a target and missing. That's one of the words. Yeah, yeah. But then um, there's what kata and uh, yeah. There are like three or four words in both Hebrew and Greek uh, that are translated as sin or transgression and. It it just goes to show that sin 
is uh, it, it has a wide range of meaning. Mm-hmm. One is missing the mark. Uh, one is rebellion, mm-hmm. uh, uh, intentionally looking at an authority figure who is saying, do A, and we say, I'm not going to do A. I'm going to do Z instead. Right. Another meaning is um, transgression, and that is, oh boy. I would put transgression in that direct disobedience. Could, yeah, it could be more directly disobeying. Yeah. Um, wide varieties of meanings. Yeah. I mean, really, what it boils down to is you were supposed to do the right thing, and you, and did, you didn't, you whether purposefully right. or on accident. The missing the mark uh, leaves uh, rise to unintentional Sin. Right, which means you can sin even when you don't mean to sin. But the idea is the the idea of sin only really exists because we worship God who is perfect right. in every way and requires perfection. In fact, the book of Leviticus, a lot of it is about the unintentional sin. Right. Like touching a corpse right. makes you unclean. Right. What happens when daddy dies? Who's going to prepare the body? You are. Obviously you are. So what do you do about that? Right. How do you, and Leviticus tells us, tells the Israelites what they needed to do about that. Right. To get clean. Yeah. It's, it's almost like just the, this idea of, uh, I mean, we got to, you almost got to get into the fall and all that to talk about it. But like that, that when man fell away from God and God's will invited sin and death and all this bad stuff into the world, it marred us. It messed us up so deeply that there's no way we could be in the presence of a perfect God. Right. Which is why Jesus is so important, that he made us right with God. Exactly. Right? Like, that, that's that's the whole idea of it. And why, churchy word, justification is so important. Exactly. Because it's us accepting what Jesus has done for us instead of us meriting presence with God because we have done what Jesus did. Right. It's, we he, can't do that. He attributed that to us. Right. And so sanctification is kind of happening at the exact same time. Justification was this one-time mark on you that, that when you've accepted the gift of Christ, that what he did for you, when you accept that fact, when you accept him as your God, your Lord, your Savior— you are justified, you're made right with God, but that doesn't mean that you're perfect. That just means when God looks at you, you are legally his son now. You are legally his daughter now. He looks on you with kindness and love and mercy and grace, but you are still going to have to go through this process for the rest of your life of sanctification, of being made more and more like God. You don't just become right all of a sudden. That's right. And so they kind of you got you can't just have one or the other. They go hand in hand. Now it's interesting, and I don't know. Maybe this is maybe this is part of the whole mix. Um, the churchy word concepts that we've been focusing on all tend to revolve around salvation, and maybe that's because it salvation is so important. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure we understand it well. So we use very precise words. Right. When we use those precise words, uh, we learn about them. They have meaning for us. 
and then we go to somebody outside the church, right? And we use those very precise words, right. and they have no meaning for them. So, what are we talking about when we are talking about salvation? We use things like uh, "accept Jesus into your heart" and think that that is conveying in a meaningful way to people, and I don't think it does. Yeah. What does it mean to accept anything into your heart? I I really don't like that approach. I, I feel like that was that's a very like '90s thing to say, <laughs> early 2000s, uh, '70s, '60s. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's. I hope I'm going the direction you're wanting me to go here, but I feel like we almost look at when we when we say that to somebody like accept Jesus into your heart you you make it sound or at least it, i think i understood it wrong mo- most of my life is that like if i just said like you know i follow jesus he's my god now i believe in him everything's good and now i can just kind of do whatever i want and i'm set and like we don't we don't go far enough explaining what that means yeah yeah that's a hard one though cuz that doesn't sound like a churchy thing to say that sounds like layman's terms. It doesn't, but I think it is a churchy word. Yeah. Accepting Jesus into your heart. Yeah. I mean, each each one of those words is a simple word. Uh, the longest one is six letters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and they're all very understandable and words that we use every day. But when you put them together, I don't think it communicates effectively right. what we're really talking about. Right. So what are we talking about when we talk about salvation? Salvation is the idea that you recognize your sinfulness. You recognize it's kind of going to put all the big words we've just talked about together. Right, right. I recognize that I am messed up. That I mess up on a daily basis. There's there is an ultimate good and an ultimate evil, and I commit evil daily, either knowingly or unknowingly. But I am always committing evil. I am always messing up. I am always leaning into doing wrong when I should be always leaning into doing right, whether intentionally or unintentionally, right? And so I can never be right with a perfect God by my own merit because I can't do perfect things. I can – I am right. flawed. Right. So it's first recognizing that, right? The second thing is then recognizing that God himself – step down as a human being to live a perfect life on my behalf and on the behalf of all humanity. And he lived that perfect life. He died an innocent man put to death by his own people that he came to save. Because he lived a perfect life, death couldn't hold him. And so he rose from the grave three days later, claimed his godhood, right? And ascended back to heaven, went up into heaven. That's all ascended means. Went up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father God, which that can get a little bit confusing. But understanding, God himself came down, sacrificed himself for us, and offered us through that sacrifice life, eternal life, if we would just recognize what he has done, our need for what he has done, and then to follow him. And to try and be like him for the rest of our lives, trying to bring other people to that same conclusion. Okay, so I hear three things that you said there. First of all, 
there is a recognition about something about ourselves. Okay. Now you focused on sinfulness and that's very uh, appropriate and meaningful for somebody from uh, Western culture, not necessarily for the whole world. Sure. And I've still got to break myself of that mentality. And, and, and that's fine. We all do. We all do. Uh, we've talked here before about there being three value systems, and those value systems are morality. And you very, very focused well on. focused on the, right. the idea of morality. We are immoral, and we need to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Another value system is the shame value system, uh, honor and shame. Uh, in that value system, we would need to recognize that we are shameful. We live shameful lives. The things that we do bring us shame. And the other value system is weakness, power and weakness. Mm-hmm. We need to recognize that we are weak. Uh, there, There is uh, nothing that we can do that truly uh, influences even our own life. Things happen to us much more than happened because of us. Right. Second area, God sent Jesus to do that for us. Jesus came and lived a moral life, and then he gives us his morality. Jesus came and lived an honorable life. He treated other people with honor, and he gives that honor to us as well. Jesus came and he lived a powerful life. Um, he defeated sickness and and demons, and he gives us that power as well. So we recognize something about ourselves that there's nothing that we can do. We fail in every capacity ourselves, right? But secondly, God sends us Jesus, mm-hmm. and Jesus does it for us, and then God turns around and He says. Because Jesus did it, you can accept what Jesus has done for you. And then thirdly, we follow. We uh, repent and go through a change. And in that change uh, in morality, we, we look to live a life that is more moral than it was before. In terms of honor and shame, we look to live a life that is more honorable than our life before in terms of weakness. We, learn to, uh, we, we look to live a life that reflects God's power through working us. through us. Right. Uh, we empower others in the very same way. Uh, so we see something about ourselves. We see something about what God has done for us in Jesus. And then... We look to allow him to make us more like Jesus as we move forward in this life. That's salvation. Now, accept Jesus into your heart, you can say in five seconds. Right. It took us a good five minutes to explain the other. But the other, I think, is more meaningful to people that we, uh, that we live among. Right, and can you imagine being able to like? Because here's the thing: if you're having that, if like, if you or I is asked, "Well, what's the point of the Bible?" and we say that, yeah, chances are we're not going to get through all of that before them stopping us and being like, "Wait, wait, wait what do you mean by that?" Like, exactly. 
It's a conversation. Absolutely. It's not looking at somebody and going, do you accept Jesus Christ? Could you do me a quick solid and accept (laughs) Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Babylon B. Anyways, um, yeah, it's not that. You don't, that's not doing anybody any favors. Evangelism is not about getting your speech right. No. It's about a conversation. Right. And, And you know what? Like, you don't have to have fancy words. Honestly, the whole point of this entire podcast right now at this moment in time is... You don't have to have fancy words. Right. Use whatever words you need to. In fact. Within reason. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And in fact, uh, fancy words might work against you. They they might. Right. They might uh, uh, make it harder to understand. (laughs) So, I'm sorry. This is random. But talking about the whole, like, power weakness and yeah, honor yeah, yeah. shame and all that. Right, right. It brought up a thought to me and I just wanted to look up the words to see uh if it captured all those. It doesn't. But after reading these lyrics to Jesus loves me. Yeah. I was like this is a really good song because like even though it's kind of old Englishy, it's very basic and very simple and I think it hits a lot of the points and I just kind of want to read it really quick like read it, the read different it, yeah. verses. Uh Jesus loves me this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, as he loved so long ago, taking children on his knee, saying, let them come to me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me still today, walking with me on my way, wanting as a friend to give light and love to all who live. Yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gate to open wide. He will wash away my sin, let his little, uh, let, let this little child come in. Uh, yes, Jesus loves That's me. Beautiful. Jesus loves me, he will stay close beside me all the way. Thou hast bled and died for me, I will henceforth, henceforth live for thee. It is all there. It's the all there. Shame, I mean, the that, that power weakness. Lame the- little children's <laughs> song that we all sang a million times growing well, up in the church. Do you know who Karl Barth is? No. Okay, Karl Barth was a 20th century theologian. He was born around World War I and huge, wrote this massive dogmatics, like 12 volumes, liberal theologian. Um, but one time uh, he was in an interview and they said, Karl, how would you describe your theology? And he sang that song. It's it's it nails it. He's saying Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he, I don't know how many of the verses he's saying, but I I don't know that I'd ever sang all the verses as a kid. I just probably memorized like the first one, and that was it. But like when I read I through wonder. it, like I mean, that's like that's almost like a creed. Maybe you know? maybe we should be singing that on Sunday mornings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I like that. Very cool. Um. Here's what it boils down to, I think. We get used to hearing certain things, and we think, oh, those are the words we have to use. We get used to seeing certain things and think, oh, this is the way church has to look. And we just start turning into Pharisees. Pharisees. (laughs) We just start making things tradition and it has to be this way or it has to be that way and it's like no paul said i have to become all things to all men so that i might save some yeah what how do you have to 
articulate this in order for somebody that doesn't know anything about Jesus to understand. How do you have to be in order for somebody to to speak to you about that? Like, we got to be. We just got to be people, man. We got like, yeah. we got to quit looking at it like I have achieved this level of knowledge or this understanding that these people just now have to understand. No, no, you're a person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. know some stuff, but articulate it. You're a fisherman. You're a fisherman. And the Bible was written for you. <laughs> That's right. And you know what? If anybody in here knows anything about fishing, it takes all kinds of bait. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you got to use different rods. You got to use different weights. Yeah. You got to use different bait. Live bait. It's all different. And Plastic I'm not. Bait. And I'm not saying we're baiting people. That does not sound good. My point is, every situation's different. Yeah. And we have to be willing to recognize the way we thought we needed to do it may not be the right way all the time. Maybe I need to go, oh, I guess I don't really know what that word means. Yeah. How about I go learn what that word means and learn how I can articulate that to somebody who also doesn't know what that word yeah. means. So the, the whole idea of this podcast was kind of the rationale behind the concept of churchy words. Um, there could be a value in us identifying churchy words that we use on a regular basis. And recognize them for what they are. They are churchy words. They are so words many, that though. insiders would understand, but outsiders wouldn't. And we need to consciously make an effort to explain things in understandable terms. Right. Right. And, and I mean, also, what I want to tack on to that is I, I really think we a lot of the time just accept words at face value without ever actually digging to understand what they mean. Like we kind of just come to a conclusion on, oh, that's what that means. And like you, I think you said earlier, like we could both have our own idea of what the word sanctification means. Yeah. But what if, yeah, we, we could be totally missing each other on that. And so we all really need to brush up and be like, we, this is the importance of going back to the original root languages. I mean, this is the importance of biblical study. I mean, yeah. really learning what the words mean. Um, we we got to be more intentional. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah, we got to be more yeah. intentional about how we read, how we study, and how we articulate, how we evangelize. We just got to. It's all got to be very, very methodical, very intentional. It's not rocket science, and if we make it rocket science, we're doing a disservice to evangelism. Right. Yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it's definitely <laughs> got to be done out of love. <coughs> and if I think if you if you take something seriously, it should it shouldn't be hard for us to to want to to learn more and right. to try harder. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Hmm. Okay. Think that was it. Think we did it. No, I think it's a never-ending process. What are you talking about? I'm but, pretty sure uh, you only need to like read your Bible one time, and then you've got it all figured you got out. It all. Same with podcasts. We only need to cover all these topics <laughs> once, right? Right. That's why we've had like 14 episodes of Churchy, Churchy Words. words yeah, something like that. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I, and, and we're probably only scratching the surface. Dude, <laughs> yeah. If there's one thing I've learned in life, it's that every time I think I'm smart on something, I just come to realize I'm a total idiot sometime yeah, later. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there's there's always something I missed or something more to be said, you know. But uh 
yeah, I, I hope you guys kind of get where we're going with this, kind of see what we're saying. It, it's it's all about communicating, communicating, and not vesting so much in the word itself. In, yeah. uh, sorry, when I say the yeah. word, I don't mean the Bible. <laughs> right, mean, right, 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 like right. In, in a individual, churchy word. In a churchy word itself, in a particular way of say, saying something, in a particular way of doing something. It's not about the traditions. It's not about the words. It's not about the the systems we've put in place. It's about why we say or do what we do. Yeah. Why do we do those things? Why are they present? That's what's important. And we need to learn how to talk about that and learn how to appreciate that. And that's right. when I really think we'll be effective. Right, right. If you guys have questions for us, you can write to us at salty saints at becomehope.com. You absolutely can, yeah. And... Or Questions at becomehope.com. Either one will get to us. It's been like two weeks and my brain is fried. By the way, yeah, sorry we haven't been here for like two weeks, guys. That's just uh We had the holidays. We had Christmas. Yeah, Randy <laughs> Randy got sick. I thought I got sick. I definitely got sick, but not like sick sick. No, know? like a twenty four hour. Like thing. a twenty four hour thing. Yeah. We're good to go. And uh yeah, it's just been crazy through the holidays. But we're back. It's a new year. We why didn't we do like a New Year, New Me kind of thing. Because uh, there's like it's overdone. a billion other podcasts yeah, like that. It's yeah. overdone. Go listen to a Tony Robbins podcast. <laughs> You'll be good to go. Guys, take it easy. And until next time, stay salty. Hi, friend. Are you stressed? Maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too. Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.